In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. Her Majesty's Dogs. I'm here with Ian Wright and Jack Duffin. I'm coming out to Caroline, absolutely pumped. Jack, are you excited? Game, game week one? Yeah, no, we're recording this going into, what is it, uh, Thursday night football, the alarm set, one o'clock wake up. It, 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 season's back, baby, season's back. Ian, what are you up to at the moment, mate? I am currently driving the foothills of Pennsylvania on my way to North Carolina, but not for the Browns game. My brother, not to be confused with Browns defensive end Alex Wright, my brother Alex Wright is having his formal nuptial ceremony about three and a half hours from Charlotte. So I will be east on the wonderful coast of the Atlantic for the game. Jack, breaking news coming through. The Queen is dead, died. Yeah, really sad news. Um, it's going to be interesting to see just how that's reacted in the UK, everywhere. Um, done an amazing amount of work all over the world. And quite frankly, lots of people make comments about them. To be born into a job where 100% of the time, talking how you stand, how you dress, you are judged. And you don't choose to do it. So like at least, hey, if you're Miles Garrett, you're Baker Mayfield, you're Deshaun Watson, you choose to be an NFL quarterback. You don't get a choice being a royal. It's like, hey, you're born this way. Tough luck. Um, so 90 years, she's been, what, about 80, 85 years, probably been a public visible figure because she was really young um, when she first became um, queen. So, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, what a life. Well, guys, there's only one place I need to be right now, and that's Buckingham Palace. But I do want to say one thing. My score prediction today for Sunday is going to be Browns 24, Panthers 21. So wow, all... he's changing it up. That means it's definitely going to be 21-20. And a big shout out to uh, everyone. Um, Big shout out to everyone, basically, who I'm going to be meeting in Caroline. The plan on Saturday night is to meet up with a load of Browns backers and then tailgate in Sunday morning. I've got to ask you, you going to find Carolina and not Sweet Caroline? Uh, I won't be singing Sweet Caroline unless I'm really drunk, Jack. Are you going to link up with Emily Mayfield? Uh, she hasn't reached out, so probably not. Sad. All right, guys, I'm going to love you and leave you. God save the queen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, from, from, over, from over here, it's definitely a sad day. You know, we, we look at our political leaders a little different than, you know, how the queen is viewed in her role in British, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners understand. I'm sure the American listeners are like, wait, what did she do? But yeah, this is a woman who's carried herself with dignity and grace for decades upon decades 
a little bit about me. My mom's father was born in North Carolina. The quad carrier fleet of he for her to live to the age of 96 years old. She's experienced a lot. You know, my daughter clearly agrees. So, yeah, absolutely. Definitely sad day. So, to bounce on from that, because as Paul would say, we're not a royal family podcast, um, even though it's incredibly sad. Previewing the game. Um, Let's start with the Browns offense versus the Panthers defense. Um, I think it's something that I, I'm just going to expect through these first sort of 12 weeks, just a ticking along. We're not going to see, knowing my luck, Jacoby Brissett's going to throw a 40 yard pass on the first snap of the game, but um, I don't think we're going to see the boom and opportunities downfield, which he's going to go for regularly. I think it's going to be a case of, Fancy schemes open three players regularly. He's just going to find who it is and he's going to quickly throw that ball. Um, he's an intelligent dude and hopefully it's going to be more of a gradual moving the chains rather than, hey, we threw a 30-yard, a 40-yard and a 30-yard and we scored a touchdown. I definitely think that the Browns offense will be vanilla. I think you're looking at, you're right, Stefanski is well known for his ability to kind of draw up different levels so, you know, a lot of times we talk about a route trace. You have short, intermediate, deep routes. Well, from that, receivers need to run different combinations. That's where Stefanski excels is. Do I have, you know, an over-out coming underneath with the linebacker? My job is Jacoby Brissett is the read. Does he turn and run with somebody up the seam, which then gives me something over the middle? You know, you're going to definitely see, because Carolina's defense isn't bad. You know, they've got a pretty decent, solid front four. The Browns offense has to establish the run. They have to establish the run. You've got to be looking at, you know, four yards or more per carry because if they try to rest this ball on Jacoby Brissett's arm to score 28, 30, 35 points, I just don't think that's a recipe for success. I mean, Carolina's got the pass rusher, Brian Burns. He's well-known. They got the kid out of Penn State, Peter Gross-Matos. And then in the middle, they got, you know, top 10 pick Derek Brown and Matt Ioannidis, who we've talked about. So they've got a solid front four. Shaq Thompson's obviously their kind of more recognizable named linebacker. And J.C. Horn, Jeremy Chin uh, are your guys that are known in the secondary. So this is a defense that has the ability to keep the Browns offense in check. So to your point, Jack, they're going to have to play what they tell us Kobe So one thing I think is going to be really key, and Jacoby doesn't tend to throw many turnovers. And that's the number. If we keep that interceptions down really low, it gives you a shot. Um, you've obviously got the option, a more reliable kicker, because, hey, we're within 30 yards and not getting them last year. Um, and that should be a given. But it, it's about getting down that field. And... It, you're just going to have to rely on enough. And it's not going to be, hey, the Browns are... We saw times with Baker where we won games at halftime. The Tennessee Titans game, perfect example. It was done. And the Cowboys game. You're not going to see that. But there's no reason why we shouldn't steadily tick along throughout the game. Um, I think there's something that's going to be really interesting. I want to, I'm going to keep an eye on it. Who is the third wide receiver out there first? 
because there's been rumours it's going to be Felton over Bell. But that's that big question. We, we expect the first down to be 12 personnel with Harrison Bryant and Inchoku out there. But what do we see after that? Is uh, It's going to be something to keep an eye on and what those splits look like over the entire game. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, Brown's Twitter and Brown's fandom have really kind of taken being a fan to a next level where we start analyzing personnel packages. And I think we know, you know, the top eight in terms of offensive playmakers. We know who those guys are going to be. We just don't know what order we're going to see them. And Felton is going to run that orbital route role. We saw it a lot with Landry last year. I think Felton's going to kind of take that Landry role. Inside slot, get the ball in his hands. You know, obviously we know Felton is a little bit more dynamic with the ball in his hands than Landry was. So the question now is, can Felton evolve that? And David Bell is going to run a different role. He's going to be your possession receiver. He's going to be the guy on third and six you look to move the chains on. So... Anthony Schwartz, I don't think we're going to see too many snaps of him. I think he's a guy that you're going to see maybe stretch in the field. If you want to see what a deep target looks like, Carolina's got one in Robbie Anderson. I just don't think Anthony Schwartz has earned his right to be one of those top eight guys. I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, recently signed tight end Jesse James out there on some of those heavy if he decided to go 13 personnel as well. Yeah, I think it'd be funny if just on the first drive we see a 40-yard TD bomb to uh, Schwartz over the top and then everyone goes into the rest of the game in week two going, Schwartz, breakout candidate for the year. Just It's how quickly the NFL moves. Well, and it's funny because if you look at all the Carolina coverage this weekend, Jack, what everyone's talking about is the run game, the run game, the run game, the run game. So we know that Carolina's focus is going to be stopping the run. So there may be the opportunity where the, the Carolina decides they're going to put eight in the box and Jacoby does hit. I, I wouldn't even be shocked if maybe we get Njoku down the seam or Harrison Bryant, you know, one of those guys where the linebackers step up in coverage, the safety split, and we can run because, you know, they pretty much run a variation of cover two. So if you can get a tight end up the seam, your long pass play may come from that route. It's one of those things where if Carolina is going to sell out to stop the run, Jacoby Brissett is going to have to make a couple passes beyond that 10-yard marker to relax that. Then you can come back and hit him with the run game again. So we'll, we'll see what Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt have drawn up because we know they have an ability in terms of the X's and O's to put together a good game plan. The question is, do they have the personnel to execute said game plan? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Now let's bounce the other side of the ball where we've got um... – Baker Mayfield is obviously the question. And as Brown fans, we know, we've, we've seen everything. It's the, it's the good, the bad. And people talk about it as if it's Baker only ever had good games or bad games. And there wasn't this kind of moments of magic followed by moments of absolute panic on the next snap. So it's going to be interesting to see what he comes out and produces because there, there will be at least a handful of snaps where you're like, wow, this guy, I wish he was still our QB. And there's other times where you're going to be like, yeah, this is the Baker Mayfield I remember from this game, this game, and I'm happy he's no longer on my QB. So that's going to be interesting to note. You've got a really strong uh, wide receiver core for me there. DJ Moore, I think, is, is the only wide receiver in the NFL over the last three years that's gone over 1,500 yards a year. So he is a consistent guy, and that has been with bad quarterback play. Um, he's not had any favours in terms of the guys throwing his ball, and he's still gone out and produced. Um, so there should be no question this year that he, he should be capable of going and doing that. Um, 
And it matches nicely with our strength, though, because you've got wide receivers going up against great corners. Um, if you want to look at another particular point of strength people like to look at is, is CMC. But he's not a between-the-tackles kind of runner. It's not where he tends to make his most. He's, he's going to run out into the flat, catch something, and go. So you can have your walkers, your JOKs, uh, a Delpit, match up a bit better with that. I'd be more worried um, if you're looking at a defensive tackles with a Derek Henry, um, who could potentially blow up a hole, than a CMC. Uh, that's just where I stand. Oh, I was you, – you stole some of the words, just put a different British uh, accent on it. I think Carolina is definitely built to be a pass-first receiving option team, right? They don't have – I mean, their backup running backs are listed as Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman, and these aren't guys that scare you. I mean, listen, I know they've been in the league, but you're right. McCaffrey is a receiving back. They've got uh, Ian Thomas, the tight end. Nothing too crazy there. I don't think he really scares you too much. But then they got that kid Tommy Tremble, you know, and he kind of came on a little bit late last year with a couple of decent games. But the strength of their offense, DJ Moore, he's your polished, he's your Amari Cooper, right? He may not be a dynamic number one in that sense, but he's the guy that you pick up the score sheet and he's got five catches, 85 yards every single game. They compliment him with Robbie Anderson. This is the speed guy. You know, I think he won that NFL fastest person or whatever that weird competition they had a couple of years ago. This guy can fly. That's what he does. That's what he did with the Jets. That's what he's done everywhere he's going to be. He's going to run deep. DJ Moore is going to be your underneath guy. And then behind them, our old friend Hollywood Higgins. I would not be shocked to see Hollywood Higgins have a decent, you know, number of snaps in this game. We all know that coaches like to play into that hole. Go out and beat your former team. Shai Smith's a guy who they like him. He's still developing. Terrence Marshall is the other one that he's had a little bit of an up and down camp. And then LaVisca Chenault, the guy they just traded for. Don't be surprised if you see him in some sort of a backfield type situation where he's kind of maybe doing that Cordell Patterson type of role because that's kind of what his strength is. But I think the key to this this Carolina offense, and this is going to dictate how the game goes, how well does that offensive line hold up against our pass rush? Because, Jack, you nailed it. Our strength is in our secondary, which you're likely going to see a lot of dime. You're going to see your three safeties out there. You're going to see mainly two linebacker sets, JOK, those type of guys, Delpit, you're right. Those are the guys who are going to be following McCaffrey because none of your tight ends really scare you. But they got the rookie left tackle, you know, Ikem Ikuanu, and welcome to the NFL, buddy. You got Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney week one. Good luck. Pat Elfline's the center. Former Brown Austin Corbett is their right guard. Congratulations, Austin. I heard uh, he recently, him and his wife, welcomed a new one into the world. Congrats to you, Austin. Right tackle Taylor Moten. He's been around a little while. He's good. I mean, he's above average in terms of your right tackle. But, Jack, you may remember, the guy they have playing left guard, we talked about a little bit last year in the draft, Brady Christensen. He was a tackle coming out of BYU. And the reason we had kind of crossed him off is I believe he was like 25 when he came out of the draft last year. Well, they've moved him inside now, and he's playing guard. So you have a bigger athletic guy playing left guard the question is, is how well are they all going to gel? He's in his second year. Obviously, Quanu's a rookie. This is a little bit of a patchwork offensive line. We're really going to – they're going to be put up to the test because the strength for the Browns line is obviously on the edges. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Clowney and Garrett moving in sound a little bit because we all know we've seen Baker. 
if you want to rattle him, get some pass rush because that's when his footwork goes to hell and that's when he throws those back for their interceptions. No, without a doubt, we, it, I really liked him. And then I saw his age and uh, suddenly he was a uh, <laughs> more chance of uh, drafting anyone Brandon else. Um, yeah, Brandon Whedon. Um, yeah, Brandon Whedon would actually be on my board because I don't do age for quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, and it, I think it's it's just going to be an interesting game. I'm not expecting any wild um, balls getting launched downfield. It's going crazy sort of uh, games. Like, hopefully, this is obviously before the Rams-Bulls game that we might see tonight, um, would be entertaining. So I, I think it's going to be one where if you get to 24 points, you probably win. And I, to be fair, that is most NFL games. 24 points can be the magic number. Yeah, I would agree with that. I will say it's going to be very difficult to watch if Baker gets into a rhythm. We saw it in that Jets game when he first came out. When he's rolling and he's in that Ben Roethlisberger 2.3 to 2.4 seconds delivery time, he can get hot. The Browns need to make sure he does not find that zone because what we're kind of looking for is that Green Bay Packers that we saw live where we're forcing balls, we're trying to make passes because, listen, we all know, and by all means, I've said it as much as anyone. I like the way Baker Mayfield plays, but sometimes he's a little reckless. And we know that. You need to get him trying to force balls because he's going to want to kick your ass. He's going to want to crotch grab. He's going to want to stare down the sidelines. He's going to do the happy Gilmore bull dance. He's going to do everything and anything he can to fire them up. You cannot let that get to you. Jadavian Clowney, I know that you want to sack him. Please do not sack him and get a 15-yard taunting penalty on top of it. Don't be stupid. Don't buy into it because that's what Baker does. The reason I know that, that's what I used to do. The only difference is my games weren't televised. Okay, so you can't fall victim to Baker baiting you into a 15-yard penalty because it's going to, he's going to try. Keep him off his spot. Move him around. I do think you're right, Jack. You put 24 up. I don't see Carolina hanging that many on the Browns. I think you're probably looking somewhere into that 17 to 20 range, especially Eddie Pinero. Their kicker came in for our guy Zane, who's out for the year with that you know, pretty bad groin injury. So I think points are going to be hard to come by. I think both teams' strength right now is going to be in the defense. No, and it's one that, yeah, you get ahead and you're in a really nice spot. And the turnovers are going to be so massive. Um, it's almost – don't be too risky. Punting's not the end of the world because if you give over and so the other team's only got 30 yards to go for a touchdown, you're probably going to score points. Whereas I, I don't feel great about either team from the 25 yard to drive the rest of the field. Um, I, it might change during the game, but going into the game, I, I, I'm not going. Whereas, hey, the Bills. The Chiefs, they get the ball at the 25-yard line. I'm like, yeah, they're going to score here. Yeah, I used to talk about it in kind of simple ways. Like, when you watched – remember last year, Kansas City and Buffalo, you just watched how effortlessly these teams would score, right? They would just be like, oh, all right, well, how many plays is it going to take for them to score this time? Yet, I watched, like, the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, and I'm like, it is very, very hard for Notre Dame to score. I think the Browns have the capability of putting together – a 15-play, 75-yard drive, something like that on the back of their running game. But to your point, Jack, if they try to hand the ball off 35 times Derrick Henry style 
getting 3.6 yards of carry, you're not going to be able to sustain those drives. In today's NFL, there's a holding penalty, there's a sack, there's an illegal hand to the face or something. It's always going to derail those drives. And we, we talk about it, we talk about it, and we talk about it. It's the third facet of the game. Interceptions and fumbles and short fields will kill you, but you cannot lose the special teams battle. Obviously, the, the Rams have Johnny Hecker, the legend punter, and they've got a new kicker in Eddie Pinero, but Andre Roberts is a serviceable returner. Do not, Mike Prefer, do not lose the game on specials. We know he lost to Keen Grant. Use Felton. Take your touchbacks. Boraquez hit some bombs, and we can't miss easy field goals. If York misses a 60-yarder, I'm okay. But 38-39, they need to be good 95% of the time. You cannot lose special teams. We only have to go back to uh, the Jets game. End of, it was in 2020, but it was December 2020. Uh, yeah, 27th December 2020, where, oh, it's fine. We've lost our wide receivers. We'll just run the ball, which is that mentality that some people have over Twitter. Well, Nick Chubb managed average two and a half yards per carry, 11 carries, 28 yards. It's moronic to think that you can just do that. That is the modern NFL. If you can't pass the ball, Nick Chubb and the run game is irrelevant. And that's not an understatement. That's just the way it is. You have to be able to have the threat of the pass. And as Ian said, you you get that penalty on first down, and suddenly it's first and 20. You're telling me you're going to run it three times and get your 20 yards. That's just going to be absolute drive killers. So it's really important that I think Njoku, for me, probably has one of the most important roles in this game after Jacoby Brissett because he's going to want to throw to Cooper, but Cooper's probably going to be the guy they'll put extra attention on. I'm not going to be that terrified of Bell, of Schwartz, of DPJ, of Harrison Bryant. They're all nice players, but they don't scare me as the defence. But Njoku, especially if he's in the middle, it's just a matchup nightmare playing against an absolute specimen that he is. I think if there's someone that you're going to go, we're sat here in the post game and this guy was the difference. I think it's David Njoku. I, I like that analysis. I'm going to take the name off and here's why. I think that the Carolina has Shaq Thompson and they've got Jeremy Chin. Like these are your two guys in the middle. I'm sorry. Uh, Xavier Woods, when he was with Dallas, got his, He's not great, okay? He's a good, strong safety against the run, but in the past game, he's a massive liability. So you've got Jeremy Chin playing center field, and you've got Shaq Thompson in the middle of the field. If the Browns, if the, say Carolina says, all right, David Njoku, we're going to match Jeremy Chin up on David Njoku to shut him down, then we, by all means, need to be Amari Cooper on single coverage, hitting on these posts, on these comebacks. Like, I think Njoku can serve a big role without getting the targets because he's going to occupy one of their best defenders, either Shaq Thompson or Jeremy Chin. And if you can have Njoku get followed around by that guy, then Harrison Bryant when he's on the field, or Kareem Hunt coming out of the backfield, or David Bell, good luck trying to line, uh, line up a, uh, a linebacker on David Bell in the slot. So you need to be able to get the matchups in your favor, but I think David Njoku may run the, run the risk of being extremely important in a non-stats-producing way if that makes any sense. No, 100%. He, he just in itself has an impact. So the last thing, 
That's it. We're, we're approaching 30 minutes in the podcast. Paul has broken tradition. I, I think this is, this is like the first time in four years he's gone rogue. And so he's predicting 24-21. What say you, Ian? I've said it throughout the week. I, if I were to give you a scale, Jack, one being no confidence, 10 being extreme confidence, if you were to assess your confidence level that the Browns team shows up ready to play on Sunday, how confident are you? I'm going to say five because I just look at that third game against the Bears um, and I wasn't wowed. Let's, let's just put it that way. I just, I don't feel, I, there's been so much conversation. There's been so many headlines. We almost, this, the rarity of the season is we know more about the drama and the off-field stuff regarding the Browns than we do about the actual football team. So my, my level of, ex, I have no idea what to expect on Sunday. Jacoby Brissett could come out like, you know, 2020, or was it 20 when he replaced Andrew Luck or 19, whatever it was, and he starts the season five and one. Jack, he could finish the game 17 for 21 with two touchdowns and 240 yards passing. And we could run the ball for 180 yards. I have no idea. I think Carolina is going to come. It's their home opener. I think they're going to bring it. I will be rooting for the Browns. I will be cheering for the Browns. I have my Browns regalia to rock in North Carolina. I'm going to take a little bit of reverse jinx psychology on this one. I'm going to predict Carolina. 21, Browns 17. Woo! I just don't think they're going to be humming on all soners yet. We didn't really have a full preseason for this offense, so I'm going 21-17 Panthers. Now, in saying that, if it's the first half and Nick Chubb has 70 or 80 yards rushing, then I think the Browns can win this one easily if they can establish that run. Yeah, so I think it's, it's a really interesting. I think it'll be a close game. I'm sort of set my head is saying it's three or four points in it. I don't think you're going to get a an either way where one team just runs away with it. I think you're going to go right down to the wire. I think we sat there in the fourth where it could be whoever has the ball last, scores that field goal to win the game or something as small as that. Um, I'm going to go 23-20. Um, I, I, it might be actually a number where there's even more where I think we see more field goals. 23, 20. Touchdowns. Who? Browns. Who do you think? You said 20. Oh, you think Browns win 23, yeah. 20. So I, I think it is a Browns win. Um, I just think they're going to get it over the line. I think the roster is just more talented, even though I I would take bait, a healthy Baker over Brissett. I don't think that's really that much for question. But I think we see more Biggest, uh, Carolina field minus goals. Pump. Does Vegas Vegas still have a Carolina minus three? I think it's been sat around two and a half for most of the week I've seen. Two and a half. Okay. But uh, so basically, they're calling it a pick'em with Carolina getting the nod for home field advantage. Yeah, with an aspect. Um, uh, One and a half now. So it's continuing to. One and a half. Okay, so the Browns are people are betting the Browns. Yeah. At one point, I saw this Carolina two and a half three. So you know what? They heard Paul Brown's coming, and Vegas decided to give the home team one less point because the super browns fan is going to be in the stand so paul's worth at least one point so i think paul's the reason it moved from two and a half to one and a half yeah so no it's gonna be an interesting one to keep an eye on i think it'll be a fun game 
There's going to be moments which are awkward. There's going to be moments which are elation. Um, it, yeah. What's going to be more fun, the game or Brown's Twitter every time Baker Mayfield does something? Huh. Hopefully the game. Um, Jack, because it is going to be a cesspool on Twitter. Well, the, the weird thing is, I, I'm pretty selective who I follow. So when people are like, oh, Brown's Twitter is in a meltdown, I'm regularly like, what do you mean? Because it doesn't appear on my timeline. So, um, yeah, if I, if I see a cesspit, then uh, my, the amount of people I'm following might slowly decline or some people get muted. So uh, <laughs> that will be a judge on how the game went. I think we're going to have – so I think it was – I forget who invented the term, but remember how we used to have the Sashi Wars? We're going to have the Baker Wars. We're going to have the Baker Bros versus the anti-Baker Bros. And I think people know what category all – I don't have to name people, but we all know who's in those camps. There are some very active Twitter accounts in those camps, and I think you're just going to have a battle of the Baker Bros. So every good pass will be uh, – you know, it's kind of like what's the, uh, the musical where every time one point's made, the one side's like, ah! And every time he throws an incompletion, the other side's like, ah! And that's basically what it's going to be for 60 minutes of football. No, and it's like, I don't want to rehash it all. We've been through it all in the past. I, I'm of the position that I wish there would have been a dynamic where Baker could have stayed this year, played it out, hit free agency, and then come a comp pick or whatever. Because I think that, that would have been the perfect scenario for both sides. Even if Watson was suspended for the whole year, you get your franchise QB that I still think is an amazing talent, regardless of what happens off the field. And then you have that last year of Baker where he can go out there, earn himself a big payday. You then benefit on the back of that. And it would have been lovely. But locker rooms and everything, emotion, humans get in the way of all the fun. So, uh, no. Well, and I think what happened was, is it was such a whirlwind of emotions because Baker was coming off such a high in 2020, finishing the season so good. And everybody was like, he's healthy. It's his third year in the Stefanski system. He's going to come out and he's just going to kill it. And then the first couple games are, you know, week one, it was like, all right, he missed some throws. He had a little rust. And then week two, we got the injury. So you never got the closure on is Baker good or not because you introduced an excuse into the equation. Well, was he healthy? Wasn't he healthy? Did he get a second opinion? Did he clear himself? So that drama just kind of snowballed. And then you throw in the Odell and then the Jarvis and then the this and then the that. And it's like, now you're just kind of looking for a season of simplicity. And well, the Browns decided they were going to go and jettison Baker. I think Baker could do some things better if he, you know, would do things better if he went back and looked at it. And in the same sense, I bet the Browns would too. No doubt about it. I would have loved to have seen a healthy Baker Mayfield try to bring back the magic that he had in 2020. But we've seen it before. Joe Flacco went on one of the most incredible playoff runs I'd ever seen, throwing, I think, like 18 touchdowns, the one interception, and won a Super Bowl. And I don't think he's ever returned even close to that. So, listen, maybe – Baker stinks it up in Carolina. Maybe he goes on to light it up and they end up signing him to a long-term. Maybe. You can still like the guy, right? That's where I'm at. You know how when Burrow came out and lit up the Browns, it was like, you know, I really like Joey B. But I hate the Bengals. I can really like Baker, not cheer for the Panthers. 
Joey B's made me more money than Baker Mayfield. So I, yeah, I can tell you that. I'm not, there's, there's no Joey B slander going on here. Here's a question for I, you. Predict the amount of um, roughing the passer. Um, what else have we got? Uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. All of those sort of flags that so are the, pers- the naughty fouls. stuff. Personal fouls. What's your prediction? All right. A, I think Baker gets sacked three times because he does love to hold on to the ball. I don't care what anyone says. He's, he holds on to it. So I think three times, and I think Garrett gets at least one and a half because he's going he's gonna to take the rookie. He's going to show him some things, I have no doubt. And Miles hasn't played all three seasons, so he's fresh as a daisy. And as much as people want to say, Miles Garrett does not need practice, okay? He doesn't. He's going to go out there. He's going to run really fast at that guy. So I would say – there's going to be, I'd say there's going to be four total in the game, three by the Browns, one by the Panthers. Uh, I'm gonna, yep. and I think what's, I think one of them may come. There may be offsetting because if, say, Garrett sacks Baker, Garrett may do the like, the thing where he tries to help him up, which is kind of like the white glove slap, you know. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Luck used to do it all the time and piss people off because after they attack, be like, oh man, that was a great hit. Oh my gosh, like what a great hit, man. You're so good. And guys would be like, screw you, man. Shut up. So Garrett may help him up. I think Clowney might just go full on, like just kid in a candy store. And then maybe one of the offensive linemen hits him. And then we have a little scrap. As long as everyone keeps their helmets on and doesn't go full Aaron Donald, I'm good with it. But I'd say we're going to have four personal foul penalties. Yeah, no. So um, I, th- I, th- I think that's about right. I- I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say we have five. Um, I, well, I just want be, all out. Now, I will give you, if there's a, if there's like a, a big scrum and like yeah. four guys gets flags, that's four penalties. It's not one instance. It's four. Yeah, yeah. As I have a funny feeling you might get a, if Baker does that thing like he did in Tampa a couple years ago where he runs and slides for a first down and stands up and starts John at John Johnson, the third, oh, sign me up for it, buddy. It'll be John Johnson or Clowney. Someone's going to clean him out. People have said Garrett, and I don't think it's Garrett as much. No, I think it's, it's Clowney or it's John Johnson, and someone just absolutely is. It's going to be a filthy late hit. He's going to get fined for it, whoever does it. But it's someone's now, going to absolutely Now, here's the question. You're in the locker room, and you're uh, my brother, Alex Wright. Jadavian Clowney says, hey, man, you get him. You get fined, I'll pay it. Little Greg Williams bounty gate. You think the defensive linemen, the rich guys, the clowning Garrett's, let the guys know, hey, if you get a clean shot, take it. And if you get fined, we'll cover you. Yeah, and they're smart enough that they'll know when they can get away with it on certain points of certain drives. Um, and, and they'll, yeah, give them the little wink and the nod and go, right, we're up here. Um, it's yeah. the last drive of the game. They've got to score two TDs. They've only got 10 minutes left. Just lay it on. Um, who cares if it's a, a cheap shot on flag? Just take him out. I I, I think there's going to be some gamesmanship. Right? I definitely think there's going to be some. These guys, listen, I can't sit here and tell you I like Baker because of the swag and confidence and also not admit that it's the arrogance about him, right? It's the, I have the brass balls. Jabril Peppers, all those guys tell you in practice, this dude does not shut up. He talks so much shit. 
and I am here for it. And I just want to see what do the Browns do, right? Because there's no way they're going to let him punk them. There's no way. Somebody's going to get a free runner. Maybe you get Ward on a corner blitz or something from the backside, and he's just going to come in and give it to him and say, hey, buddy, welcome welcome to the big leagues, Hayseed. You know? Well, I had to laugh. You haven't seen this movie, but all my Cleveland fans will. So there's a movie called Major League. It's a baseball movie with like Charlie Sheen, a bunch of guys. So in this, in the one second movie, there's a guy, he's a free agent that the Indians signed, and his name was Jack Parkman. And he would get up to the plate and he'd do a little shimmy. So Bob Euchre, who was the actor that played the radio guy, Jack Parkman up to the plate doing his little shimmy. It drives the women in Cleveland wild, right? And it's this, this sex appeal shimmy that he does. Then they trade him to the White Sox in the movie. So the next time he comes up as the White Sox, they're like, Jack Parkman doing his little shimmy. It makes the women in Cleveland puke. That's yeah. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is Jack Parkman. Everything he did that we loved when he was in Cleveland, he's going to do again, just in different colors. Well, that's it. We're out of time. So have an amazing time at the wedding. Browns better win. Oh, as always, go Browns. Go Browns.